Welcome, everybody, to the Discover It podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about emotional abuse, and uh, Ray's going to be our speaker. Go ahead, Ray. Hey, thanks, Jody. I'm going to be talking about a what I find to be a significant aspect of emotional abuse. But first, Jody, do you mind defining emotional abuse for us? Sounds good. So emotional abuse is going to be a non-physical behavior uh, that belittles another person. And it could be insults, put-downs, any kind of verbal threats, something that will make the other person feel like a victim or inferior, um, or something that makes them feel ashamed or degraded. Thank you, Jody. Um, So I believe emotional abuse comes in many forms, but... Uh, something that I've always that always resonated with me is what's said in the Bible: "Forgive them, for they know not what they do." And that translated to a lot of understanding um, on my part with dealing with people who are experiencing some form of emotional dysfunctionality. Um, I believe that that's a, uh, even farther than that is the root cause of a lot of our emotional abuse towards others whether we're aware that we're doing it or not, is suffering. So I think almost every evil or wrongdoing or abuse, whether emotional or physical, can be traced back to some sort of suffering within the individual that they're not aware of is leading to some dysfunctionality in their behaviors that uh, ends up hurting themselves or other people around them. So one thing I think is important to look at is what are we doing that, uh, like they say, it it takes two to tango. So one, if we're dealing with somebody who is uh, going through some sort of emotional dysfunctionality, something that they're not yet aware of, haven't been able to sort through and find a more harmonious balance in their life, then what are you doing to allow that into your life and to affect you because that's going to be key to learning how to navigate this um, environment. The environment where inevitably there's going to be a percentage of people that you come across on a daily basis who are living in that space of emotional dysfunctionality. Now, another concept that I think leads to and contributes to that is something that I think is inherent in nature that plays out in the food chain and uh, every, almost every aspect of our life. Like you can think about the gym of the X amount of, you know, X number of people who decide they're going to get into shape, right? They're going to lose weight or they're going to get, you know, build muscle every new year's. The the smaller percentage of those people are going to actually convert that to lasting change because it's just the hardest thing to do is to to establish a consistency to um, overcome all the resistance that it is going to place in your life, that uh, this is getting too hard, I have other things to do, X, Y, Z. So in no area does the majority overcome all of the obstacles that are in the way of any goal that contribute to any challenge. So a saying that can be uh, attached to that is that uh, the exception, only the exceptional, wait, how do I say it? Uh, 
the exceptional is the exception. So people that um, strive and achieve the highest heights of uh, whether it be sports, whether it be business, whether it be love, like think of two people who have established the, the most loving relationship and compromise and understanding and balance that you can think of. It didn't just ha- it didn't just happen. You know, a lot of things build up to that harmonious balance being achieved. And you you know, um, divorce rates and statistics show that only the minority are achieving that that balance. Majority of people that get married get divorced. I think it's like sixty, maybe seventy percent. So far more uh, of the majority are, are actually getting divorced and severing that tie altogether. And you have to think if it's 70%, the remaining 30%, not all of them are happily married. So that the minority is actually achieving that, the most harmonious balance that's possible. Same with the gym. Uh, of 100 people, the smallest percentage is going to actually convert that to lasting success. So what do we do with that information? We could go, you know, and say, man, it seems like every time I turn around, I'm dealing with someone who's uh, dysfunctional, who's, you know, um, bringing this, this sort of drama into my life. And so then we can shut down and not want to deal with anyone is one uh, option that we can take. But another is acceptance, understanding that it's like mathematically the most probable and and rational um, outcome is that, you know, majority of people aren't going to, not saying aren't going to, but at least currently aren't achieving the height. And in this specific example, the height of emotional stability and balance to where they're bringing value to their life and to the people around them. And so that that is understandable as we all go through this challenge of life. It's not, evil is not a disappointment. It's not that the human race was meant to be, at least in my opinion, you know, we'll get into opinions maybe, but that the human race isn't perfect or meant to be perfect. It's meant to go through challenges so that it can become strong, so that the race can become stronger, so that even when we apply this to animals in the, in the forest, the strongest survive so that what's left is the strongest possible evolution of that particular species. I would say that I, you know, I believe the nature um, of nature within the universe is, um, is unbiased. It's, it's not picking sides. It's literally the way the system works in order to establish what we call reality and, and consciousness. I think a lot of things, if we neglect one side of the equation, eventually you have to cross out other pieces until you're left without consciousness. So that brings us back to if we've been, if we've accepted that we've accepted that state of humanity, we're able to forgive those because we know that the suffering of the individual is what's leading to the dysfunctionality, which leads to the behaviors that could potentially harm us, then we have to, with that understanding and that awareness, we have to be mindful and accountable for how we interact with those people 
that leads to the the dysfunctionality coming into our own into our own life. So Paul said it before that you know we talk about it a lot, and for those who aren't familiar, we're uh, we're referring to internal thoughts, and even uh, more so the energy that seeks to destroy. That you know is the opposite to the energy in us that is capable of creation so that it is always seeking to reduce us back to the average you know to what we've always been so if we're striving for something new we're going to face that resistance and it's a matter of becoming aware of that so that we can overcome it so any amount of i guess ignorance in that regard to where we either aren't accepting that the world comes with these these flaws. You know, it comes with this system where majority it, it takes the exception to be exceptional. Then we can navigate it a little bit differently and, and exercise a little bit more caution with the people we interact with. It's it's easy for us to say it's everyone else's fault because of what they did, but I think it's key to look at well, what piece to that puzzle was I because it made a complete picture and it couldn't have made a complete picture unless I fit into that equation in a way that allowed for that picture to unfold. And so to give up an example, personally for me, it's uh, currently where I'm at a lesson that I'm learning and going through is, uh, and I'll give a short um, history of how it got to this point. When I was younger, I had, um, you know, I'd always been the cute, you know, new kid in school, you know, that got a lot of attention or, um, you know, people trying to get to know me. And at the time, I would allow myself to get into relationships that I wasn't prepared to do my part in. You know, I wasn't prepared to follow through with commitments that I had made. And I, I realized that a few things that contributed to that was that I didn't know who I was or what I wanted. And even if I did, I didn't know how to express it. I didn't have the courage. But I think two things are uh, necessary is to know what it is you want and then to have the courage to express that, knowing that certain people will reject you because of it. You know, it's just a simple fact of life. Certain people uh, are not going to want the same things as you. And you have to accept that that's a natural outcome of expressing what it is that you want and expect is that some people won't want the same thing and that, you know, then nothing further can, can come out of it. And that's the most fair situation. If you're being honest and being fair and being uh, open, then, then that's something you have to accept. But at that time I wasn't ready to do that. I didn't know what I even wanted. I was still trying to figure out what life even was, you know, to be alive. What did that even mean? So many questions that I didn't have answers to. And those aren't excuses. That's just where I was at the time. And so I have to accept that that's what contributed to hurting myself and hurting other people at that time. From there, I look at it as a second stage that I got to is learning myself more understanding what I wanted and learning how to communicate that. But what I hadn't realized at that stage is understanding that, again, 
that majority of people who are in dysfunctionality, you can't use a strategy and, and feel that because you're doing the right thing that it's going to lead to a positive outcome in that situation. That's a lack of awareness that of the, t- of the person that you're dealing with, the condition that they're in, um, because I've done that a lot where in a way I'm lying to myself by thinking only with logic, like we talked about in the last uh, episode. That's been an issue of mine, thinking with logic and disregarding the emotional aspect of things. So what I was doing was reasoning to myself that if I understand what I want and I express that, then a person is left with a fair opportunity to decide for themselves whether they want to engage or not, not realizing that that person may be engaging and may be lying to themselves about what they want and don't want, and they're accepting something they don't want, and that could lead to them eventually resenting you and placing the blame on you because you didn't understand more or enough to not engage with that person at all. You know what I mean? So. I believe in those situations, both people have met each other on the same level of dysfunctionality, or else it would have never happened. It would have never uh, never happened. So, I I learned that through observation as well. And I know a, a very simple example is when people are um, addicted to a substance, and so the two people are at the same level of dysfunctionality, whatever led them to that point, right? They're drinking to cope, they're drinking to suppress emotions, but they're drinking just the same, you know, one and the same. They're both, they're meeting at the club at a, in a, at a very similar frequency, akin to each other, because they landed in a similar place at the same time, where they're both looking to get drunk, they're, they're both looking to have a good time, do whatever other drugs suit, the uh, objective of numbing the pain, coping with things that they're not yet comfortable with looking at, traumas that they, they're, they're still suppressing, right? But let one of those people fight through that addiction and watch how much disconnect enters into the relationship. So say you have a week where you've decided you're going to do without alcohol, watch that relationship totally transform. And that's just a simple example of whenever you start to change your frequency, which is just short for saying changing some part of your, the way you're expressing your energy in this, in this form, whether it be changing a drug addiction, changing a, a way that you um, deal with people or changing certain aspects of who you are or how you're conducting yourself. And then that change that, that, uh, relationship will shift and often it's a tool that it will use because you'll feel that shift you'll feel that disconnect and you'll want that closeness again so you start to revert back to your old behaviors so that you can become uh, re-synchronized with the people that were close to you at that level of dysfunctionality so that you can tap back into that closeness see so that's it's an interesting thing. I hope I'm painting the picture that there's a lot to this emotional abuse and how we contribute each individual 
to a lot of it. Now we're exposed to things that is just beyond our control. Sometimes what, what was, uh, our part in it was just that we just hadn't developed control yet. We didn't know we wasn't mature enough. We weren't, um, like as children, you know, it's not, it's another one of those situations where it's not fair, but it's still, um, black and white in that case that a person was inflicting their power over someone else. There was, there was suffering in them that was manifesting as abuse that that person was, you know, expressing in order to kind of soothe or satiate whatever demons are in them. So they're suffering. They've gone through these traumas. It developed these toxic behaviors. They're doing the, they're, you know, behaving in the, in the way that they know how to cope or to, for whatever their reasons are. And in our case, we just were, we just were powerless to do anything about it. You know, we weren't aware yet. We weren't mature uh, enough to decide what we deserve and to, uh, we didn't have the means with which to separate, separate ourselves from the situation, but there's clear reasons why we were, ex- we were exposed to that sort of emotional abuse. And when we accept that and are aware of that, then we can learn how to find that power. You know, again, you know, someone that's five years old, they, they've got a long time before maybe they're able to establish those boundaries and things like that. But the natural progression of that individual is to grow and to um, learn how to create those boundaries uh, so that we can determine to a degree how much emotional abuse we're allowing into our lives. And I just, I think that that's important to look at because if we don't, whether we're five or whether we're 50, we won't be able to create those sort of boundaries without looking at ourselves, look at the part that we're playing and what is unfolding. And uh, that goes back to, I know we've done many episodes on uh, victim mentality and the trick there is that when you when you truly believe it's all someone else's fault, then it leaves you with no um, game. You can't create a game plan on how you're going to get different results if you don't think that there's anything for you to change. So what tends to happen is that you continue to do the same things and getting the same results. And that's what I was doing for a while. I was thinking that you know if I'm if I'm clear and I communicate what I want and what I'm looking for or what I'm willing to give in a relationship, that that person shouldn't uh, expect more of me, think that something that they're going to they're gonna do is going to get something different out of me, thinking that in some way they can, you know, eventually still get what they want. And so I'm thinking, well, that's not my fault, that's theirs. But if I'm able to understand the condition that they're in, understand that they want something more from me and that, potentially they're going to always want that. And if they don't get it, they're not going to be satisfied. If I can understand that, then I can just separate myself from them type of people altogether instead of lying to myself saying that, Oh, well, if I say this, or if I'm honest about that, or if I'm clear about this, we should have no problem. That's where the ignoring the emotional state or the emotions in general lead to our own demise because we're not realizing that there is going to be a problem. You may think, or you may actually be 
doing the right thing and communicating, but you're missing the point and not realizing that that communication is going to fall on deaf ears if that person's in an emotional state where they're not able to process that. It's not fitting into their perspective of reality at the moment. And you've got to be able to, it, one could say, well, that's not fair that you've got to be able to understand that or else you could still get hurt. Well, the fact is that you can. So you're going to have to understand that and learn how to consider those things or else you'll continue to get hurt and continue to lie to yourself as to why. And that's what I was doing to myself is continuing to create these relationships that didn't lead to anything meaningful because I was lying to myself saying that if I'm communicating where I stand, then there should be at least there's an opportunity for there to be understanding and a decision whether both people agree and, and accept the dynamics of that relationship. Like, again, you know, someone could be saying that that's what's happening and it not be happening. You have to be able to understand the dynamics that play into that. And that goes with any sort, sort of abuse. A lot of people, for instance, uh, in abusive relationships with men, they'll say, well, if I'm nice enough, if I'm, uh, if I do what he asks, if I, if I, uh, if I'm, if I'm the way he wants me to be, then things will change. Not realizing that we're ignoring red flags in that situation. And we're lying to ourselves to, you know, saying that there's something I can do that will change. this, not realizing that only that person can change. So we can blame that person for what, for the outcome. So if we continue to get abused and we say, I wasted five years, I wasted all this time, we can blame that person. But in reality, it's the things we were, the, the things that was causing us to ignore the signs. You know, we have to be able to tap into why am I ignoring these signs? What is it that I'm going through still? What traumas am I holding on to? What dysfunctionalities got me into the, the point got me to the point where I would ignore the signs at all or even after I've seen the signs to accept it because if we only place the blame on the other person then we're going to put ourselves in that situation over and over and over again and we we tend to do you know follow a very similar patterns so like more more than likely we will end up in similar situation again because that's where we currently are so we'll just we'll just attract another situation just like it and then go through all the same routine right, you know, right after the last one in similar fashion. So that would, you know, that's my, my take on that particular aspect of emotional abuse and what we can do to, to, to navigate that, to work through that is to always to take inventory of whether, you know, because sometimes that we are completely victims, you know, it, it, you know, I hate to bring reference to, you know, these school shootings that we experience far too often. Those kids couldn't have done anything different, you know. They could have been more secure at their schools. Things could happen, you know, things could have been done differently with law in terms of how easy it is to obtain these sorts of weapons. You know, we can come up with all the different things that could have been different. But those kids, man, they, they they didn't do anything wrong. Like there's there's nothing they could have done differently. 
um, they just simply didn't deserve what happened, and, and that happens too. But there's a lot that we can become aware of and do something about in order to get a different outcome. And so we don't want to fall into the trap of saying, well, there's 10% of things I don't control, so I won't take control of anything. Then we miss out on 90% of things that we could have affected differently and had a different outcome. And so thanks for allowing me to express that and to uh, bring attention to that, that point. Jody, do you uh, have any experience with emotional abuse in that sense or have anything else to uh, shed light on when it comes to emotional abuse? Sure, right. Um, I think you touched on a lot of really good points. And, you know, like the definition I talked about, um, emotional abuse can come from like a lot of different things. And I think until I really kind of went on this journey of self-discovery, and, and looked at some things, uh, there's things that I wasn't even aware of, things in my past, you know, things like how I was raised. A lot of that we kind of just ac- accept as normal. And then in working a 12-step program, you talked about um, inventory. That's like a really big part where you kind of go back and you start to look at all of this. And I think one of the big things I missed when doing like inventory like that is is really like how it affected me and and what kind of past program conditioning that did to kind of make me be who I thought I was. And, you know, that awareness can look at, like like you said, Ray, like what we want and who we think we are and then what our it, how our it plays into that. And once we start to become more aware of our own condition – we can kind of start looking at other people and start looking at those relationships and those interactions and start to pick up on, well, did they go through emotional abuse? Um, Is that why they're kind of reacting this way? And, you know, it's going to affect us in a lot of different ways. And that, that past program conditioning and that are it, you know, it's a real powerful thing. And you also mentioned like without knowing, like, I know my parents just did the best they could and I raised my kids. I was just doing the best I could. Um, and that's, but you know, without really knowing or understanding and really being fully aware, I think a lot of people get married and have kids before they really do any kind of self discovery or even work on themselves or look at a lot of this inventory. And there's, you know, some premarital counseling and, different churches and things that do a lot of things to try to get you, you know, a little bit more aware of that stuff, but it's really until you start to have some experience and you start to go through a lot of these, you know, life things that you can, you can't really look at it because it doesn't really make sense. And one of the, one of the sayings Paul says is we teach people how to treat us. And that was kind of a little confusing because for a long time, I always thought, you know, well, they're conditioned, they're kind of stuck in their condition, so that's just the way they're going to be. But like you said, you know, with addiction and relationships, there's, we're going to kind of attract and draw into our relationship and our surroundings people that kind of fit those conditions. And if they had a lot of emotional abuse uh, from their parents, they're going to kind of subconsciously be looking for 
a partner that is emotionally abusing because that's going to make them feel kind of like in that comfort zone, sad to say. So there's a, even when it comes to like physical abuse, there's a lot of people that stay in physical abusive relationships for a long time because that's what they're used to. And that just is what makes them feel normal. Another good saying Paul says is behavior never lies. And I usually always looked at that when I was kind of looking at other people, other people's behavior, but I had to look at that at my own behavior. Um, Cause a lot of times we just think we're just being us and we don't really kind of analyze our own behavior and, and reflect on that inventory and that self-discovery on, am I behaving this way for a certain reason? Um, is it something I need to look at? And one of the first books that Paul had me read uh, was called The Lies We Tell Ourselves. And I, I thought that was really good. And it, it kind of broke down a lot of the things that I thought about myself and who I thought I was and kind of where that came from, um, for me to really kind of start to take a more, I guess, objective inventory and look at why I was doing some of those behaviors, why I was attracting certain people into my life and things like that. So I think uh, you covered a lot of really good stuff and it was a good presentation. Thanks, Ray. No problem. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks. Thanks. That's a lot of good input there um, and insight to the different, different, you know, things that affect us when it comes to emotional abuse. Courtney, are you still on the line? Yeah, I'm still here. I'd like to get your input on emotional abuse, how you may have come into awareness of any emotional abuse that may have affected you um, in the past, uh, through childhood or otherwise, and what steps that you've taken to to do something about that in order to get a different outcome than uh, what you may have been experiencing in those situations? Um, so I do agree with a lot of the points that you both have made. Uh, we often are the ones who emotionally abuse ourselves the most, to be honest. We, because of what we have allowed due to past traumas and, you know, things that we've learned throughout childhood. Uh, and I've, I've often noticed, and I can only say this from my standpoint because that's all I got. But uh, anyways, that because men in general, because the way that society has told them that they're not allowed to have feelings or they can't cry or, you know, emotions are unnecessary. A lot of times I've, I've noticed that it's, they, they do lie to themselves a lot um, with the whole emotional side of things because they could say one thing to themselves in their head, but on the outside they're showing something completely different but they feel like they don't know how to or at least know how to accept the way that they're feeling. Because like you said, you could tell someone, you know, your, what you want and how the situation between two people are, is going to go, but you can't necessarily change your mannerisms because that's how you feel. You're just refusing to feel it. 
or afraid to feel it because body language is another language. And a lot of people don't realize that their body language is giving off something completely different than what their head is wanting to, to show. And for the emotional side of the emotional abuse, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a slap in the face sometimes when you are an emotional person, women in general, I would say, but, um, and men are more of the logical thinkers because of the way society has, you know, raised men and women to think, but, um, It's very, I don't want to say, like, daunting, but it's kind of like, I feel your emotions, but you're not willing to feel them as well. And sometimes it's, it's, it makes you feel like, maybe I am a little bit crazy, and why am I allowing myself to accept this level of emotion? It's kind of like a for a reference or an example, it's kind of like a gay person dating another gay person, but they're not out of the closet yet. So they can't be a hundred percent with them, but they can be with them in secret. And that's a form of emotional abuse. That is, I honestly think um, one of the most hurting because you, you know, they feel this, they just refuse to show it or they just dumb it down because they're, uh, they're afraid to even express it or to even think that they have that capacity of emotion because of what they've been through and all of the other things that happen throughout their life. Um, and I am one of those people who feel like I've done it to other people as well because I was not able or understanding of my own emotion. I, I felt like it was, it what I was feeling was more of, I need to let this go, not really dive deeper because I was afraid of the vulnerability, the amount of, you know, trust that I'm putting into another person or the amount of willingness that I am to let them in a hundred percent. And I, now that I'm not in those relationships anymore, I can see where I emotionally abuse them in that way because I, gave them affection. I, you know, said, I loved you. I, you know, introduced them to my entire family and we did stuff together and all of these things. And I'm realizing that, yes, I, I may have felt some feelings that I was not comfortable feeling, but it doesn't mean that they weren't there. And just being self-aware is one of those things that is really really important for you to engage with anyone else on that level because you're not, you're not sure of yourself. It doesn't mean that you get the right to uh, make them unsure of themselves as well. And I'm sure, you know, they had their own emotional issues going as well, but I can't discredit what I did in that situation. And taking responsibility is really important in, you know, the emotional abuse world because you have to understand why you're doing it, but you also have to understand the effects of what you're doing. And so, yeah, um, we need to, you know, stop emotionally abusing ourselves and stop allowing us to feel things, stop allowing ourselves to feel things that we know we feel is just uncomfortable to feel. 
And in turn, it would, you know, change the aspect of how we deal with other people and how we, uh, you know, nurture other people's emotions or even care to nurture other people's emotions. And it's just a healthier way to be, especially if you want to be with someone who is aware of their own emotions or is sure of what they want. Because like Ray said, um, if two people are on the same field, they're going to link up. But if two people aren't on the same field, then of course nothing's going to work out and it's probably not going to happen. Like, like you said, but yeah, that's my two cents. Thank you, Courtney, for sharing that, that personal experience that you had and how it affected you and what your insights are about that. I'm sure that will help a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people go through that very same thing. If they're open and willing to listen to a lot of things that were said tonight, it could help someone prevent a lot of the same outcomes that come with not being aware of those things. Um, you also have to, I think, some of, in some of what you said, you know, be careful because we don't always know what the, another person wants or even if that person does want the same, if they're not, if they're not comfortable, if they're not ready, like you said, they're still processing certain things that prevent them from being in that place. It, it's one of those things that, and this is me, you know, trying to uh, embrace the emotional side is, is to, even though it hurts, you know, it hurts for that person as well with the, where they're at and what they're going through. But then it also hurts for us in, in, in your shoes in that case. But it, it's, it comes to back to that acceptance, you know, accepting that that's where that person's at. And if they're expressing that that's where they're, they're, they're at, you kind of have to uh, allow them that space. You, you can't really make them get, you know, farther along so that, you know, what you think they want and what you want can all, you know, be, which could in that case could be, could be the, could be a happy ending. But unfortunately that person's in the space where they're at and they're feeling, whether it's just their preference or whether it's something that they're being constricted by, you know, past traumas or whatever, uh, it, it's it's a hard situation to navigate, and sometimes there's no completely right answers. But I think, like you said, and was said throughout this um, this podcast tonight, is just awareness. You know, I think that that is the key to both sides seeing yeah. their own condition. You know, where they stand on both sides of that trauma, um, and how to heal from it, because. Uh, like you said, inevitably there's going to be some pain to be felt on both sides, you know, uh, and uh, yeah. the awareness is the key so that we can move through that and hopefully grow from it and learn from it because that's the name of the game. You know, we're going to go through those things, but uh, hopefully we can learn from them and, and grow. Yeah, and uh, just and realize that, it's cheesy to say, but whatever is meant to be will be, and you just got to go with the flow from there. Like, do your do what you came to do, and, you know, 
everything will, the, the pieces will fall wherever they land. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something, the awareness on both sides is definitely something that is most definitely important when it comes to your emotions and dealing with other people's emotions. Absolutely. Thanks again, Courtney. Okay, so Jody, um, do you have anything else to, uh, any, any further input or anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think Courtney touched on something that, you know, I didn't really think of before, and that's, you know, how we abuse ourselves. And, you know, just like we're going to have that same behavior towards other people if we, we have that it, you know, fighting against us. But, like, you know, how we talk to ourselves, you know, um, all the negative comments or things we say to ourselves or in our heads, and it goes kind of back to, like, making us feel like maybe we're not good enough or maybe we're not worthy. And one of the things I notice is like, you know, some people, they'll always be saying, sorry, sorry, you know, for like everything. And I came across uh, an audio book a while back. Uh, it was by Mia Hewitt. And it's called Meant for More. And that was a pretty good book. It talked about kind of like creating confidence and kind of start shifting that self-image uh, to something better and get rid of some of that past program conditioning and those misconceptions that maybe from our parents, you know, where they're like always, you know, kids, kids are hard to deal with sometimes and, you know, they knock things over and they make mistakes and they might not respond a good way. And as a kid and being young, you're very impressionable. So you just start accepting all those things. Like, you know, I, I'm always clumsy or I always knock things over and, I'm not good enough or I didn't do good enough in school and things like that. As parents, we're always trying to, you know, get our kids to be the best they can be. But if they're not in a, in a, the right, if they're receiving that the wrong way, they're going to take that as emotional abuse, whether we really know that or not. And then they'll continue to carry that on when they get older towards themselves. Thanks. That was a very good point, Jody. You said that the name of that book was Meant for More? Yeah, Meant for More by Mia Hewitt. Hewitt. Oh, I was going to talk about our – we did a podcast on self-esteem, too. And, you know, it all goes back to that con- being aware of our condition and start to do things that help boost our self-esteem. That's awesome. Thank you for that input there, Jody. And uh, 